You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. So Lex, I'm glad you're on the show. Thanks to our buddy Marchiano, who has uh, hooked me up with some really cool folks. David Rutherford, as you know, was on yep. a few weeks back, uh, really motivated the heck out of us. He's a super awesome guy. Really excited about you being on the show. Well, happy to help however we can. And, you know, we've got kind of a the military mafia going, so to speak. You know, Rut is uh, one of my dear friends and he's kind of introduced me to this whole South Florida group of, of military folks, including Marchiano and, and some other guys. And, uh, you know, it, it's good. Everybody's still serving, finding a way to support uh, the community one way or another. And, uh, you know, we take care of our own. So I'm happy to help you all. I uh, know a little bit about your background. You were agent, a top agent of the mixed martial arts. And a lot of people I know today follow MMA fighting quite a bit. How is it that you got into that? Because you came out of the core as I understand it, you became a, an attorney or a lawyer. You got your law degree, and then I think you went back to school. Is that right? And got an MBA, and then somehow you got into MMA. So how, how did all this kind of come into play from the time sure. that you got out of the core? Well, you know, I've been in, uh, involved in martial arts my entire life in one form or another, doing uh, as a practitioner of different disciplines. Um, everything from, you know, wrestling, the traditional kind of uh, Americana, uh, form of martial arts through goju, karate, krav maga, Dutch kickboxing, you know, on and on, some jiu-jitsu. So I've always, it's always been a part of my life. Um, certainly when I was in the Marines, um, we had, a, you know, an emphasis on, on, I think at the time it was called line training, uh, which was the, the Marine Corps' version of, you know, hand-to-hand combat and martial arts. Um, so practiced that quite a bit. But... As I was going through my education, you know, after I got out of the Corps, I, I went and got an undergraduate degree and then a law degree, and worked at a firm for a few years, went and got an MBA, as you touched on. Uh, um, I was in a position where I could negotiate some contracts for um, my father, who was in entertainment for quite some time. And I negotiated um, a contract for my dad to appear in a Super Bowl commercial alongside MC Hammer with... Um, a company called Cash for Gold. The owner of that company has been my partner for going on seven years now. We, you know, we negotiated out that contract for my dad and met each other on the set and shared a common interest in uh, mixed martial arts and started going to uh, fights soon there afterwards. And um, from from there, you know, one day it's like, hey, I want to start sponsoring fighters with my company. I said, sure. You know, I didn't know anybody in the sport. <laughs> But, you know, what Marine uh, says, no. So I found a way to get to Randy Couture, and I said, hey, man, I got a big check for you. And uh, that was it, you know. Once you're the guy that has the, the, the checkbook, everybody wants to get to know you. So we learned a lot about the business pretty quickly in, in about a year's time. Uh, saw that there was an opportunity to open a sports agency. So myself, uh, my partner Jeff, and uh, MC Hammer uh, launched a, an agency. And as you mentioned, we had about 40 or so of the top UFC fighters, guys and gals, fought for titles, you know, in the top 10, that sort of thing. Uh, and then a few years ago, uh, my partner Jeff acquired a, a league called Titan FC, and he asked me to come on board to run it as the COO. So together, we have been in this crazy business for about seven years. And um, 
you know, we've used it as a platform to support uh, the military. Jeff's been very gracious in, in affording me the opportunity to serve serve our community. That okay. So you just like brushed over several different things. I got to jump back to. First off, your dad is Ed McMahon, which a lot of people probably know from the Tonight Show and Star Search. And then you talked about MC Hammer, oh. and you know, so I mean, there's a there's a lot of connections there that you had certainly within the past, and I think that. You know, mentioning that, it was like, wow, okay, MC Hammer, and you just kept rolling. But these are big celebrity names. These are big-time people and stuff. How did MC Hammer end up getting into MMA? Well, he was he was in that commercial with my dad. Yeah. And he also was a big fan, and, and he had known Jeff, my partner, for, for quite some time. And, you know, Jeff said, hey, listen, I want to get you, get you guys involved in doing, doing this company. And we both said yes, and, you know. Next thing you know, I was partners with MC Hammer. That is Bam. There you go. <laughs> it's crazy. But you know what's interesting? What's interesting is you know, you bring up the fact and I think it's part of the reason I do kind of gloss over it. A I'm I'm kinda of humble and you know, and it's out there very publicly who, who my dad is, but you know, I, I never try to bring it up. But I think also one of the reasons is that more important than being an entertainer and, you know, the icon that he was in the entertainment industry and the same for Hammer is they're military men. Hammer served in the Navy for, I think, seven years. And my yeah. dad did uh, 23 years as a Marine Corps colonel, and the fighter pilot flew the Corsair and flew 85 combat missions in World War II in Korea. You know, that the... was our relationship, was that of, of you know, the military. It wasn't that he was, you know, Ed the Entertainer. It was that he was Ed the Colonel, who I saluted and called Colonel for a very long time. <laughs> Now, you were an enlisted guy, right, when you were in the Marine Corps? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Worked, for, worked hard for a living, man. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I guess I was going to say so did all of us, but Rudy did go the route of being a uh, chief warrant officer, so. Yeah, I took the easy way. Took the easy path. <laughs> <laughs> You're smart to do that. <laughs> I understand, too, though, you uh, you have a relationship that you originally started on with the MMA with Nick, who is the founder and CEO of Ranger Up, of the apparel shop and everything. Yep. Yeah, Nick is one of my uh, best friends. Um, you know, we, he started Ranger Up nine, I guess about 10 years ago now. And uh, we've been friends almost since that point. We co-founded, we took an idea called Train the Troops MMA, where we would bring together fighters and um, we would go to bases and, and train them MMA uh, as part of their pre-deployment uh, package. We did that originally with about 1,800 Marines out of um, Camp Pendleton, El Toro, and Yuma. And, or I'm sorry, Miramar. Uh, El Toro closed down at that point. It was Miramar um, and Yuma. And um, actually one of the guys that was part of that 1,800 Marines was a gunnery sergeant who's one of my longtime friends. And we, we, we trained these guys before they went downrange. So it was really a very rewarding experience to be able to, to – you know, give some some training to folks that would be able to, to use it. And, you know, my, my buddy, Gunnery Sergeant Time, now a, a chief warrant officer, uh, Cesar Espinosa, you know, he said it was really a valuable part of their, their pre-deployment uh, training. And, you know, he was grateful for the opportunity. And we brought in guys like Tim Kennedy, Jorge Rivera, Gray Maynard, you know, lots of big UFC names to help train these folks up before uh, they rotated out. And then we've kept that that concept going um, every time we're anywhere close to a, a military base 
Um, we do a train the troops MMA seminar for about four hours, done it with the 82nd Airborne, uh, done it with uh, quite a few different Marine units from Camp Pendleton and Lejeune. And uh, I recently just got back from an Armed Forces Entertainment Tour uh, in uh, the Middle East, which was was quite an experience where I took four of our fighters, uh, you know, downrange to, to train the, fo- the folks up and give them, more than anything, just a little bit of a morale boost. Uh, you know, they were short seminars, so we weren't necessarily imparting a ton of knowledge to them, but just the fact that we were there taking the time out to spend time with them, I think was appreciated. But more than anything, it was a great reward for us to be able to do it. That's crazy. So take us through when you talk about training the troops and it's a four hour block, take us through basically what it is that you're teaching them prior to their deployment. Well, so when we first started, you know, I mean, Tim, uh, I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with Tim Kennedy or not, but oh yeah, uh, yep. Tim is an amazing, amazing man. And, and one of the, you know, elements of his background is you know, he's a Green Beret and, you know, Ranger qualified and sniper and on and on. His list of, of accolades uh, and accomplishments are, are in the military are, are very long, but he's also, you know, a UFC fighter. So we looked at how could we incorporate mixed martial arts to help the warfighter, if they were in a hand to hand environment, get back to their tools. So all the moves that we focused on were really designed if, say, you were, you know, you're in the stack and you're going through the threshold of the door and, you know, a enemy soldier is there, they, they, they take your weapon, uh, something happens, you're in the scuffle, you've got to get back to your tools. How do you get back to your, your sidearm or your, your, your long gun? And, and so that's what these moves were all about, was getting back to your tools. And, uh, you know, I, I think guys found, found them really impactful, but it was really from lessons learned that, you know, Tim had experienced from all his deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq. And, and then thinking about how to incorporate what he's learned in the mixed martial arts world. That's that's crazy. And I, I could definitely see how that'd be most useful. And, you know, and it's a shame that there's not a program, when you think about it, already within the system to be able to take lessons learned and do that kind of stuff and you know, put that back into the training, but I, I think it's great that it, it should be broader, though. You know what I mean? I mean, you guys should be on like a rotating tour to all different units, Benning and Bragg and Stewart and, you know, wherever, teaching that kind of stuff. That sounds fascinating. You know, it, it, it is great stuff, and, and I'll tell you, you know, the combatives program, I think, you know, does a good job, and, and what the Marines have in McMahon now, you know, does a good job as well. But, you know, that's very kind of rudimentary. And I think what we had done with Train the Troops is we bridged the gap and, and took those important, you know, ideas and concepts and, and, and tactical challenges and, and applied truly some of the, the knowledge for some of the best fighters in the world to come up with a curriculum that, that was really uh, practical and made sense. Um, and, and it's been honestly one of the great things that I've been able to do is continue uh, that training uh, every time that, you know, a Titan event is somewhere close or I've got an opportunity to take fighters somewhere. You know, I I take that curriculum with us and and we focus on some of those skills so that we can uh, continue to impart that knowledge. So Lex, do you compete or are you, are you more graduated into the training? training You know, at this juncture, I, 
I haven't competed in a very long time. I never competed yeah, yeah. professionally. Trained a ton. You know, it's kind of always been what I've done. But I, I got into the business side of it. And, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I, because I'm on the business side and, 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 you know, we have a very large platform. We're partners with the UFC uh, and what we do for Titan. They are our um, distribution platform. So they stream our, our content on UFC Fight Pass. I'm in a unique position that I can take my personal passion philanthropically, which is to serve the Milvet community and get the word out because every fight we have, we get hundreds of thousands of people tuning into our fight. So we highlight um, charitable organizations that we're partnering with, such as A Hero Foundation and South Special Operations Wounded Warriors. Um, we create awareness about them. We show videos about them. We do social media campaigns to help them raise proceeds. Um, you know, so I'm in this unique, you know, position where I'm able to raise awareness about these these issues, but also help bring training to with our athletes because we've got these high level athletes being able to bring training uh, to the war fighters uh, and also to the veterans. Man, like we we took a group uh, of veterans with one of the foundations I'm a part of, the Hero Foundation. And we took him to South Africa on a hunting trip, but we brought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who's a UFC fighter, yeah. a very high-level guy, with us. And, you know, he trained with the guys, just hung out with them. You know, it made such a difference for them. And we've done the same thing up at a – we have a, a ranch out in Alabama or a farm out in Alabama where we bring all types, all types of veterans into. And we bring in fighters, and they teach – you know, they'll do a seminar, train the troops seminar. Uh, and then we bring in a, uh, a person who helps with, you know, the psychological issues as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So we try to bring all these things together. And I just happen to be in a unique position where I can, I can, I have this platform and I have access to these, you know, amazing athletes who are willing to share their time. That's awesome, man. And, and the philanthropical approach, I mean, that's, there's something that you can't put a price on that, man. And, um, and guys like yourself, you know, myself, Kat, Robert, you know, we, we've, in essence, pass the torch to the to the next generation of, uh, of warriors, and uh, you know, uh, all of us are extremely passionate about about doing something to give back, and it's and it's and it's not a self satisfaction thing. It's more, you know, doing what you can to help those guys continue with their excellence, and and that's something even through my defense contracting work through. Uh, the Special Ops uh, Survivors, which is a, another charity group that I support uh, with, with my fishing platform, um, and even Mentors for Military, uh, which, which, of course, Robert stood up uh, with these podcasts. It's, it's all about giving back and helping these guys become better at what they do. And, uh, sure. You can't put a price on that, man. It's amazing. Well, I mean, I think that the one of the things that you see is, is that, you know, there's lots of people in our nation who are willing to donate a little bit of money or, you know, say that, you know, put a yellow ribbon on their tree or their yeah, car yeah. or whatever, but man, they're not willing to, or they just don't know how to roll their sleeves up and, yep. and really help the, the veterans. And so I, you know, like we've always done through our active service, you know, and we, as we transition out, it, it's incumbent upon us to continue to serve and, and you know the folks that you know maybe enter a different station in life where they're able to to leverage a platform or donate a lot of their time or help raise funds or whatever it may be and if we don't do it no one else will 
Right. So, you know, it, it's our responsibility. I think it's a shared responsibility. Um, and, and, you know, that, that concept of still serving, man, that's real. Lex, I think like, you nailed it just now, like saying, you know, if we don't do it, then no one else will. And it's so true because even the guys that you don't serve with, they're still your family, you know. And like I had, I was just thinking when you're talking about all your training or whatever, and, you know, the feedback is so uplifting when you actually hear some like great stories that came out of what you've been doing. And I would, I mean, if you could like just enlighten us with some, maybe some guys came back and said, Hey, you know, like you saved my life, like training me how to do this. Or I was able to, you know, combat mental dif difficulties with everything that you've taught me. So like, if you had any like awe experiences like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's certainly uh, been quite a few over the years. I, I, I think what stands out for me is, you know, we were just in the Middle East with, I took four Titan fighters and um, we were supposed to go to Kuwait and Iraq and we landed uh, in Kuwait and we were at a base called El Jabber um, and we did a seminar, a meet and greet and, and it was a base where there were I think it was a 26 Mu was there, and these Marines were on about a 30-minute lead time where they would have to spin up. So everybody's walking around fully kitted up, you know, their, their, their weapons, and uh, they had to be ready to respond and get in theater uh, to Iraq within 30, uh, 30 minutes. The next day, one of the, the guys that we had met was killed in Iraq. Uh, oh, Staff Sergeant. This was not, you know, this was not long ago. It was Staff Sergeant that, that was was killed uh, out of the fob from an ISIS attack. And we ended up, and there was a, there was a, there was another event that occurred, and the Brussels bombings occurred. Mm -hmm. So they ended up pulling our visas to let us go into Iraq, which was really upsetting to me, because I really wanted to be, you know, at the far tip of the spear for to you know be with the folks who really you know I felt needed it but what was really enlightening to me was we still had you know roughly two weeks of a tour to do and we had to rearrange things because most of our time was supposed to be in Iraq so we went to all the bases in Kuwait and including back to El Jabber um, where that staff sergeant had been and trained with a new group and we trained with some of the guys that had been with the, the Mu Marines that had gone into Iraq and you know they they said more than anything it helped them cope with the loss of uh, the staff sergeant and and just the reality of what they were dealing with because it gave them a a moment in time where they didn't have to be on point they could just be themselves and it, it, it let them know that somebody from home cared and was willing to come out and and you know um dedicate their time and just come out. I mean, we all been deployed. We all know what it's like, man. It's not, it's not fun. And even, you know, Kuwait necessarily isn't, isn't dangerous per se, but you know, if you're at a base staging point, sure as hell is because yeah, yeah. you know, the next thing you know, you're down range. So I think that was one of the, you know, more recent things that was really uh, fulfilling to me was to see that in the wake of that tragedy, we were able to, to provide some sort of a, a cathartic, uh, experience. That brings it back home because I, when I was in Afghanistan and Ashley died and I was working with the Rangers over there and, you know, with their mentality, it's so, 
drive on, you just, you know, you lose guys, we're going to lose guys, we know that that's going to happen. And you just have to, you know, Charlie, Mike, and keep going. And I also worked with a, a Delta troop over there. And I remember I had a sergeant major that came up and he's like, hey, Kat, you know, like, let's talk about it. Like, let's decompress a little bit. And and I, I take that moment for me, like, that, you know, kind of put things in perspective and grounded me. So with you saying, you know, you kind of let those, that's what happened with those guys that you worked with. Like, it brought them back to center, you know, and that, and I'm, I think, like, in the long term, that moment is going to be so beneficial for them mentally and physically, just, you know, their, their life perspectives and especially going, you know, having to go into battle, you know, whenever they may be called. So, um, the impact of that is just so it's incredible. And we always talk about like, you know, we need to take care of our guys, like in when the events happen, so they don't get this buildup of stress and then, you know, have to go through all of these mental issues and alcohol and drug abuse. So I just like, that's amazing. And I, I really appreciate you guys and everything that you're doing for them because they, it means so much. No, thank you. You know, what's the cool thing about it is we were able to galvanize, um, not just, you know, the handful of, I, I took four fighters with me and none of whom had served in the military. Um, you know, and they gave of their time freely and, 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 you know, we're super excited to, to go. But I also was able to reach into the MMA community to, to some of our corporate partners. We took over 6,000 pounds of gear that was donated. Wow. Everything from, from mats to, um, you know, kettlebells to strength and conditioning equipment to gloves, tie pads, mitts. So we were, we were giving them tools. We were giving them some training, and then we were giving them some tools that they could use after we left. And, you know, that was one of the things. I mean, I'm planning another trip um, for um, the September time frame to head to uh, Kuwait, Iraq, and Djibouti. And um, same thing. I've already – I mean, my garage is already getting stacked full of stuff from our corporate partners who are donating – all this gear for us to take down and uh you know it, it is cool to see that you know when you put the call out and you show people how they can help um that they will and and then what that translates to and how it impacts the individual like cat was saying like that's going to be a moment that you know will resonate with them and, and hopefully help them for the long haul and, and it was cool to bring all those pieces together well, you can see how much of an impact it made on CAD, and I've heard him actually mention that story on other podcasts. So, And I'm sure, as she mentioned, the same types of things that you're doing for these guys and gals, to be able to take those moments away from all that's around them and you know have that experience. Not to mention, it's, it's a little bit like a USO experience, but yet you're also giving them information and knowledge that they can use at the moment. You know, in in a combat situation, but it takes them away from it at the same time. So it's kind of a combination of both. You know, of a a USO experience plus a, a knowledgeable experience. It's very cool the way you're able to do that. Yeah, no, it's definitely a great experience. And you know, we try to, you know, I, I bring guys to our events whenever we can. Uh, it's funny as we're sitting here chatting now, I'm getting messages coming in. A, a Navy SEAL buddy of mine, you know, he's got a group of uh, his shipmates that you know, have transitioned out and they're dealing with some stuff. So I've got a whole table full of SEALs that's going to be at this, uh, our upcoming event on June 10th. So, you know, we try to find ways to continue to, to help and, and, and 
just give guys a moment of pause, man, just uh, guys and gals to be able to to enjoy life a bit and, and realize that no matter what they've gone through, life's good, man. You're above dirt, you know. <laughs> there you go. You know, one of the things we try to do in each of the podcasts, too, is talk about service and after the military. So many folks get off of active duty and, you know, they forget that that was probably the biggest thing that at least kept them there or kept them grounded or whatever was that sense of service and the service to their brothers, to their sisters and comrades in arms, the service to their country. You know, and they tend to forget that when they come off active duty. And I think what you're trying to tell them, too, is that there are other avenues that they can take their passion and apply it and and reach back and help those that are coming up. I mean, you were able to do that with the passion of the things that you enjoyed and your experiences and combine the two together. Why do you think it's so important for those that are coming off active duty to continue that sense of service? You know... I think that there's there's several reasons. One, I think there's a very selfish reason, which is it, it allows, I think, for some self-healing to be around people that are similarly situated. Um, and that's being selfish is okay. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But I think that the other part of it is what we've already touched on, which is there's this real need to um, to to continue to serve so that because if we don't do it, others won't. You know, I, I think back to what galvanized me to, to get engaged. Um, and, and I, Robert, I can't call if I shared this story with you when we chatted the other day, but 9-11 happened. I was uh, studying to take the bar exam. I'd already graduated law school a few months beforehand. And um, I was, you know, spending 15, 16 hours a day trying to figure out real property law and whatever it was. It was... The miserable experience. The 9/11 happened, and and that day I was at the recruiter's office, trying to get back on active duty, and uh, you know I went went to to Meps, got my physical, and I was I was set, man. I was ready to, to head back, and they found that I had a degenerative eye disease um, that I'd had since I'd been on active duty, and it just manifested itself because I'd had it my whole life. It just had gotten, I guess, it progressed to a point where I could no longer pass the eye exam. And then they identified what the problem was. And so I was precluded from returning to active duty, which was, for me, very devastating. So when I say this is selfish, it really helped me cope with, with, with that, that reality I was faced with. Because I said, if I can't do this, how am I going to continue to serve? Because I, that was what the emotion I was dealing with is, my nation's going to war, I need to serve. And I now I can't do it in the capacity that I was used to. So I had to re reimagine what it meant to serve. Um, and I was doing that because I wanted to help my brothers and sisters, but I also wanted to, to address this deep rooted passion that I had to, to help. And that was selfish. Um, but I got through it and I found a way by getting involved philanthropically and, and by, by working on, on what was an issue to me. I've helped a lot of other people, and I think that that is kind of the way that that it should go. You have to take care of yourself, so you're well suited to take care of others. Lex, what do you think the uh, what do you think the driving tenet is, or the driving character trait is, behind folks like yourself uh, to to get up off your duff and, and do something? You know, even even to the point that you know, like you stated, uh, you, you had difficulty with with the servant part because of the the, the vision problem. What do, you, what do you think it is that, that gets people to do something? I got one word for you. Love. There you go, man. 
Right on. You know, it's uh, what what we uh, as men and women serving our nation are asked to do and do willingly uh, is significant. And and over the past 15 years and over the millennium, obviously, but certainly for our generations you know, over the past 15 years uh, has been crystallized. Um, there is no greater love than taking care of your 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 brother or sister in arms, uh, being there for them. And you may not even like them, man. But yeah, yeah. you know, when when the bullets are flying and times are rough, man, that's your brother, that's your sister. You're gonna do whatever it takes, and it even means sacrificing yourself. Um, so when I think about why people continue their their efforts post active service uh, I'm drawn back to that simple singular word love they do it because of the love that they felt that I think is very difficult to replicate uh, in fact I don't do not believe you can replicate replicate that that feeling of camaraderie um, that you gain through service in the military there's it's just a unique experience and I think it's what it, one of the things that, that folks struggle with as they transition uh, back to the civilian world is how to have that sense of uh, that unity of purpose, of, of shared mission, uh, but of, of pure love. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people may not want to acknowledge it for what it is. But man, when you're willing to lay your life down for someone that you don't even know or you don't even like just because they do the job that you do as well, that's love. Yeah, that says a lot about somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that people identify it and they say, listen, I'm going to continue on and this is how I'm going to continue that, that emotion. And that is, you just, you just nailed it because I was just thinking like so many guys and gals, myself included, you know, we come back and we're just we crave for that feeling again. And I, I don't think we know how to identify it or we don't want to identify it as love because, you know, it may sound a little cheesy or, you know, we're heart chargers, we go to war, whatever, but you know, that's exactly it. And I think so, so many vets, we come back and we struggle and we just don't know how, where we can fill that void. And, you know, on another podcast, Mike and I were talking, it's like, it's so, it's a different love because we may have the struggles with our families because we don't understand you know, it's just not the same. But I think, you know, if we could just, as vets, when we come back and realize, like, that is what it is. It's love. And that is exactly it. And that we need to hold on to it instead of create this burden and not want to, you know, project it to our families or people that may not understand. But if we were to do that, I think just, you know, all around the transition, especially coming back with our families would be so it would be it would improve so much and you know just to to say what it is and and label it as it is instead of trying to dance around it i think that would be just be so so beneficial so that yeah it's it's truly incredible just what one word could really do for you absolutely there are a lot of people that are coming off active duty that are probably going to be listening to this or even veterans that just recently separated this trying to you know they're trying to determine what is it that I'm going to do when I, you know, I get off back of duty. I don't really know what I want to do. I was doing whatever it was within the military and now I'm coming back. But I think what you're providing is that whether it's, you know, as a hobby or it's employment that you're getting paid for, 
take what it is, this, this love or this passion that we're talking about, of providing service and helping brothers and sisters, and figure out what you're really good at. For you, you started getting into something that you enjoyed watching, experiencing, whatever have you, and you applied those things back to give back to the military, you know, to your brothers and sisters. I think that's what we're really talking about here. It's trying to find what your niche is, you know, what it is that kind of motivates you and what your passion is. And whether it's a hobby or an employment, do it, it, it you know, because you're going to feel better for it. Absolutely. When you were with some of the uh, the guys over there and, you know, serving on this last trip and everything, what was some of the takeaways you mentioned these guys had that never had served that came along with the trip? Were they? I'm sure they were probably just blown away by the impact that they didn't even realize how much they would have on individuals and probably even having a, a sense of service themselves to want to give. Yeah, no, I think that that was the case. Um, one of the guys that was with us was Pat Healy, um, UFC vet who is now fighting for, for us at Titan. Uh, for He's a former Titan champion, lost his belt. Um, he's fighting for, for Titan again uh, on June 10th for, for the belt again. Um, and this was Pat's second time doing an AFE tour. He did Afghanistan, um, I think back in, in 2010 when he was part of the UFC. And he, you know, he said, listen, that experience woke me up to understanding what it is that these guys and gals are sacrificing and how austere the environments can be in that they're, you know, asked to serve. And, uh, you know, I, I think universally from, from Pat to the other guys that were with us, the one, I think, way to, to kind of summarize it was they were all humbled. They, they learned so much about what we as, as military folks do and, and what it is to be away from home and be in, in you know, kind of harm's way and, and laugh about it. And, you know, I mean, that, I think that was one of the things that impressed them the most was they, you know, as we all know, military folks have a, a very macabre sense of humor because it's a coping mechanism <laughs> right and yeah. the guys were blown away by it you know and uh, but i think that that's again they were humbled by the experience because they got to see all of this that they had no idea about before now you had mentioned that you're sitting on four boards of nonprofits, and you kind of highlighted a few of those i'd really like to give you the opportunity to explain a little bit about each of the different nonprofits that you're engaged with and what it is that they do in service back to our military yeah, absolutely. So uh, kind of give you the thumb sketch of, of each. Um, first is the Sean Brock Foundation. Um, it's very timely with Memorial Day having been yesterday because um, I posted about Sean. Sean was one of my fraternity brothers, and he was uh, a Marine Corps captain, an amazing man. And, uh, you know, he was a Mustang infantry guy. He was in Ramadi. In 2005, February 2nd, he was killed. So a group of my fraternity brothers and his family, he had a twin brother and, and, and a sister, we started the Sean Brock Foundation to perpetuate his legacy. What we really kind of get after is this idea, because Sean had you know, gone and gotten his master's and was actively teaching other and, and mentoring other of his, his Marines to go out and get more of an education. And so we provide scholarships uh, to the, the families of uh, fallen uh, military. 
uh, through the Schombach Foundation. And, and we have quite a few events every year that we use to create awareness as well as fundraising. Um, I serve on the board of the A Hero Foundation with one of my dear friends, Captain Lee, now Major, um, just recently promoted, um, active duty Marine Major Lee Stuckey. He was Sergeant in Fallujah, became an officer, went to Afghanistan, uh, ended up burying a lot of his Marines, uh, unfortunately, and it, he himself was blown up, suffered TBI and, and PTSD at a pretty significant level, and one day he was home back at Camp Lejeune, and he was looking at the business end of a 45, about to pull the trigger, and his phone rang, and it said, Mama. He answered the phone, and he started crying, and he told his mom what he was about to do, and she said, son, come home, and uh, come to the farm in Alabama, and, you know, let's just take some time. And what Lee did was he ended up hanging out and spending time hunting and fishing with veterans from World War II, from Korea, from Vietnam, uh, you know, all, all these different wars from, from years before. And it was really helpful for him. And he realized that part of his therapy was being around similarly situated um, folks because he could finally open up and talk and unburden himself. And so he, he started the A Hero Foundation um, so that he could help continue that legacy. And we've helped at this juncture. And, and soon after he started, he asked me to join the board, which, um, you know, I was humbled to do and honored. Uh, but we've brought on trips, I think the number is 762 uh, folks that we've taken to everything from Pearl Jam concerts to Zach Brown band concerts to UFC fights to hunting and fishing trips uh, literally all over the world you know I, I mentioned we took some folks to uh, South Africa a couple of years ago um, and what we've learned is, is is that we put these these folks in fun environments and put them around similarly situated people and you know it, it's interesting Someone who hasn't served can be empathetic, mm -hmm. but they truly don't understand. Yeah. So they don't, they aren't necessarily the best equipped to help someone cope with with what they've dealt with. But someone who's stood in the boots, who's been downrange, who understands what it's like. Next thing you know, there's this this degree of comfort. We call it screen porch therapy, where you know guys and gals are sitting around together, and they're like, a civilian isn't going to say to a triple amputee. Hey man, when'd you get hit? What happened? Like, it's like taboo. You don't say it. Right. But we're brothers and sisters. So, hey dude, you tell me right now what happened, man. Cause you know what? I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I was driving down the road. We just left the fob and boom, I couldn't hear. And next thing you know, you know, I mean, there's, we, we have a great story of Sergeant Aaron Alonzo and, and Corporal Nathan Chandler. Um, it was the time last Corporal. They were in Afghanistan and I, I I think they were 1-9, The Walking Dead, if I remember correct. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. They were um, they were in Afghanistan, and, and uh, Sergeant Alonzo was out as a ground guide as they were looking. They were out looking for mines on a mine-sweeping patrol, and, and Corporal Chandler was up in the, the turret, and Aaron stepped on a, uh, a mine, an IED. Oh. Lost both legs. Um, lost a testicle, 
you know, significant, significant damage. And so Corporal Chandler gets out of the vehicle, runs over, and he's, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, administer life-saving aid. And Sergeant Alonzo looks up to him and he says, uh, hey, man, I found it. You know, even in that horrible condition that he was in, you know, he used humor to help him. Right. But, and, and, and that's that's poignant. But where it becomes really amazing is fast forward now. These both these guys, uh, Corporal Chandler got blown up about a month later and they were both at Wounded Warrior Battalion. One was East Coast, one was West Coast, uh, you know, two years, three years down the road. And a hero, we got together and we decided that we were gonna uh, take a group of fighters uh, to go see Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight uh, in Las Vegas. And we put it up to the Wounded Warrior Battalions and said, listen, you guys hold a board or whatever it is you wanna do to find a way to recognize the most deserving member um, that would be interested in coming to, to this event. And, you know, we'll pay the dime on it and, you know, but you tell us who to bring. So each of these guys, Sergeant Alonzo and Corporal Chandler, are selected by Wounded Warrior Battalion, but on opposite coasts. So they have no idea. They show up at the airport. We're picking them up. These guys have not seen each other since the day on the battlefield that, that, that Alonzo was blowing up and said, hey, man, I found it. We brought them together. God's providence, you know helped us be there and it was an amazing experience and you want to talk about cathartic man oh yeah These two I... kids who had been dealing with so so much over the past three years alonzo's sister had killed herself the week literally the week before our event oh and you know he was himself contemplating and you know he, then he got the news that he was he was the guy that got to go on this trip and guess what there's his buddy man they're doing great now they're doing amazing. Oh, that's incredible. And and that's the power of what we do. And it's the reason why it's stories like that are the reason why I'm so passionate and why I'm blessed to have a business partner who understands that I not only have a passion, but I have a responsibility to to help these people, these veterans. And, and he gives me the, the latitude to, to exercise our platform in a way that, that, that allows us to bring awareness, raise funds, all those great things uh, to help out, man. Um, so then there's Special Operations Wounded Warriors. Um, actually, I'm not on the board with them, uh, but I help out quite a bit, and we, we have them as a, um, a featured partner with Titan. So they're in the cage. We do highlight packages for them, help raise proceeds, just really believe in what they're doing. Uh, and then the, the last one is the Mighty Oaks Foundation, which is a faith-based organization but run by my buddy who's a, a Marine Recon uh, guy and also one of my former clients, Chad Robichaud, who fought professionally um, for World Series of Fighting and, and some of the other um, uh, local shows. Um, and you know, they're out based in California, and the idea is they bring guys and gals in, and they give them kind of, you know, the... The, the, the tools to help in the transition, but they come at it from a faith-based uh, faith perspective. Sure. I love what you had mentioned earlier about, what did you call it, the front porch counseling? Screen porch therapy. You know, a lot of times the counselors that help with PTSD or TBI and those types of things are individuals that 
may not have served and may not understand. So having that kind of therapy and the ability to talk with somebody who does get it and has been there, I, I think has to be very therapeutic. Well, you know, I, I agree with that. And, and so that's why we do this idea of, of having folks together. But we also bring in specialists. We, we, we bring in Dr. Carrie Elk of the Elk Foundation, um, who really has the, the technical skills um, in, in dealing with PTSD and dealing with veterans. And, and then you've just got the brotherhood, you know, the sisterhood. We all kind of we're qualified because we've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. And you bring those two together. And I think that's where you get the healing. Lex, I, my hat's off to you, brother. I mean, you're doing an amazing, amazing job, and um, you know, continue the effort by all means. You got, you got mad love and respect here from this end. And, and when I get down to Florida, uh, mid July, I'll we'll have to hook up and grab a beer or something, man. Yeah, I'd love that, Rudy. I appreciate that very much, man. And uh, I'll help you with the transition in, man. And uh, I heard you talk about fishing, so I'll make sure uh, we go get some lines with somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything that you said. And everything that you're doing for vets, you know, they always say we take care of ourselves, and that is so true. And I, I just appreciate everything that you're doing for our vets, and it's truly incredible. And you, you are saving lives every day, and it's, I just, I just thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Kat. Yeah, ditto from me. I mean, the, what you're doing and giving back in service, and I think the message that you stated within this podcast is, you know, exactly what. A lot of guys and gals are probably searching for they're going to listen to this and they're going to go okay now through this and hearing you know lex talk about his background and what he's done i can now see myself in whatever you know doing this or maybe what if i did this and applied it back and sometimes it can be something really small at the moment that you don't know where it's going to go but the fact that you're doing it is going to, you don't realize the impact that it's going to make on the individuals that you're reaching out to. And even if it's very small or you think insignificant, you're making an impact on someone else's life somewhere. So I, I definitely encourage people to go out and find that sense of service, find their passion, marry those things together. And like I said, whether it's a hobby or employment, let your living proof that you can find ways to combine the, those things together. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, when, when you've got passion, great things can happen. Is there a page or something that we can share with our listeners of where they could go to to learn a lot about these various different organizations that you're supporting? Yeah, you know, you can go to uh, titanfighting.com, and there is on that, that's our, our fight league that where we're partners with the UFC. Um, there is links to a hero uh, as well, which is just simply a herousa.com and um, Sal, which is SalCharity.com. Um, and, and the other uh, organizations are on there as, as well. So I would say, you know, go to titanfighting.com, check that out. And from there, there will be a path to, to learn more about these other organizations. Great. Thanks again, Lex, for being on the show. My, my pleasure. Y'all take care and have a great day. You too. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Please be sure to follow us at iTunes, leave a rating, and your comments. And if you don't have an Apple product, no worries. You can follow us at SoundCloud, download the app. And if you're on Twitter, be sure to follow us there at Mentors, the number four, M-I-L.